the Cybersecurity and Compliance Podcast with Craig Petronella. Learn about the most current IT security threats in ransomware, phishing, business email compromise, cybercrime tactics, cyber heist schemes, social engineering scams, as well as hints and tips from leading professionals to help you prevent hackers from penetrating your network and dropping ransomware or malware payloads. This podcast will arm you with the best info to defend your network against the latest cyber crimes. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And now, here's your host, Craig Petronella. All right, welcome to another podcast. We've got Blake Ray. Hello. Lots of exciting stuff happening today. Any particular topic you want to start with or you want me to start off? Yeah, go ahead and kick it off. You do a pretty good job with that. So, Okay. Uh, no shortage of headlines. Um, one of the ones I wanted to bring up was the Okta breach. Did you see that? Where I there were not. stolen access tokens from Okta's support unit. So um, I, I guess my comments there is... A, my first reaction is it's similar to solar winds right it's a a vendor that's targeted that has a lot of um potential customers that hackers can gain access to um so it's one of those be careful with your vendors but it, it's hard to protect yourself i mean if you've if you've put okta in your your practice and your business um I guess it goes back to our layered model, right, Blake? I mean, you can't trust one layer. So, it, you know, if you had more than one layer and you've got um, multiple layers, then one layer fails and the rest of the system's still working. I guess that's the the takeaway from this one. What about you? Yeah, I mean, you definitely can't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, I haven't read the news on that. Um, I was kind of really interested in some of the former NSA uh, employees that were leaking classified data to russia yeah so that's almost like a repeat of the whole edward snowden thing right it you know um and then there's so we could talk about that in a second or and then there was also the microsoft bug um with the active directory that one i heard about yeah I haven't, I haven't formally read about it but i heard about it yeah same i haven't studied it either i just saw it in the headlines and then there was on a, a you know different topic. There was a um, I saw a news article where a, a coalition of forty one states are banding together to sue Meta for harm to kids, social media harm. Wow, where, where, <laughs> what country? What country? Or, or you said states? States? Forty one states in in our country. Yep, and the District of Columbia are filing lawsuits alleging that Meta has intentionally built its products with ad addictive features that harm young users of its Facebook and Instagram services. Wow. I think in the next, like, anywhere from six to ten years, like, social media is going to change. It's, gonna, it's kind of this revolving, um, like, revolving... Uh, door, I guess. is I don't, I don't know the proper analogy, but here in Vegas is a good example of like when a new hotel opens up, people just flock to the new the new app. Um, mm -hmm. And so if you look at Twitter with their rebrand, you know, X kind of brought a lot a lot of new users back to the platform. 
Um, obviously when MySpace was around and then Facebook came out, right? People jump ship. Um, so what is the next ship? You know? Um, the fact is Facebook is is not a great platform. Um, it's not a great platform for the users, it's not a great platform for privacy. So what's the next ship? You know, so I'm just a a, a big proponent of of something next will come in, you know, and you know. Yeah, I think as more people start to realize that with a free product and platform, you're the you're the data point, right? So it's free for a reason. You know, the old adage: you get what you pay for, right? So, I mean, what was the last analytics from what was it, Cambridge Analytica back? several years ago now at the election what was that like five six years ago yeah, now tw- yeah 2018 i think yeah so i mean at that point over five thousand data points exist on all of us and that was five years ago right so just think of all of the tracking that's happening since then i mean your phone location services you know everything wants to have that turned on to know where you are right and then um Facebook, in my opinion, Meta is particularly in- intrusive with always listening. You know, I'll have a conversation with uh, my wife, and then all of a sudden she's got ads about the conversation that we had. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, I try to avoid social wherever I can, but I could only imagine how, you know, uh, kids are brought up on it. And I think it's, I don't know, I think it's challenging. I, 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 I don't know the grounds for the lawsuit, but I, I don't support social media for children. That's for sure. I, I do think that it's, in my opinion, more harmful than good. I, I understand that there may be some. I read this a long time ago, where there, there, you know, the founders never kind of intended for it to kind of spiral this way. I think there may be some truth in that, but I also feel like if that was entirely true, then why are they putting all this privacy? leakage in place and surveillance in place right so i mean i do think that there might be strength and i guess the defenders are going to say well it's easy for me to keep in touch with my friends and things like that yeah i mean i think there's debate around that too i think i mean do you really need ten thousand friends (laughs) and are they really your friends you know so i think it pushes people further away because now instead of having those direct communications where like somebody will text you and say, Hey, I was at the beach. Like, here's the fish I caught. Right. Boom. Text message. Um, you post it on Facebook and then that text never happens. Right. So it's like, Oh yeah, I saw it. And then it's, we, it's also really weird when you have a conversation with somebody um, and you're trying to fill them in. I don't know. You've probably had this happen. Maybe not since you're not active on social media very, very much. Um, no, right. I try to avoid it like ten foot pole. <laughs> yeah, well, I've had, I've had conversations with people, and some people out there probably listening, same thing. But um, I'm like, oh yeah, this is what I did, and they're like, oh yeah, I knew, I, I know, I saw, I saw it on social media. And it's like, so it's like if you post it all on social media, then it's like nothing to talk about when you're face to face or on the phone with somebody. Exactly. <laughs> and then I, I, I guess the minimum age requirement—I wasn't quite sure, but I had to look it up, but for Facebook is 13 years old. Like, I don't even know if like, I even agree with that. Like having like what I mean, obviously, you have children, what what age are you going to let them get on social media? 
hopefully never. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm already, you know, my wife and I are, are discussing the the importance of a phone. So, you know, we chose to give um, them, we have some lockdown, they're called, um, they're watches and they're locked down for, they can only receive phone calls from who we put in their contact list. And they can only receive text messages from who we put in the contact list. And it's a pretty restrictive platform. But it works and it's good for like if they want to go to their friend's house and have a bit of freedom, we can text them and say, hey, look, come home for dinner or whatever. But the challenge is that, you know, peer pressure, their other friends don't have that. They have the real deal. They have the iPhone or they have the Apple Watch or they have both. And there are apps and there are ways to restrict some of those platforms, but they're still best effort and they're not perfect. Right. So it's. It's challenging. I, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. It's it's hard because, you know, you can only kind of shield them for so long, right? And then it's like, well, I don't know. We haven't made a final decision on it. But, I mean, the, the, the watch works okay for the moment. It's just, um, it's challenging in social situations, though, because some of the kids will start like a group chat or something like that. And then they can't, they're kind of left out of it, right? So it's a little socially awkward that way. Um, so they might have to resort to email or their school email, but then they're like the one-off and then nobody really wants to kind of follow that one-off kind of thing because it's an extra step, right? It's not as easy. Um, I haven't heard of particular a, a request for a certain social app. Um, I've heard a request, obviously, for a phone, <laughs> you know, a full-featured phone. Right. Um, but so I don't know. That's, I mean, I, I, I feel for parents. I, I don't know. Uh, we have some friends that have, chosen to do you know the iphone or whatever and then they they do these surveillance apps where it's just like constant police of you know where are they um what are they putting on the phone what did they install what are they allowed to install what are they you know what i mean like so it's like but then at that point it's like what's the point right i mean if you're gonna lock it down anyway i mean so i don't know i don't know I'm, i'm undecided on it um no you know, when I, when I was growing up, technology, uh, you know, social didn't really exist very much. <laughs> um, and I, you know, technology was pretty embraced, right? So it was kind of the uh, support of technology and the tinkering of technology and new stuff. But now it's so broad stroke and there's so much stuff out there. And now this kind of is a good segue to, did you see the DGI, DJI um, headline? No, but I have DJI products, so now I'm curious. Yeah, so um, DJI is obviously manufactured in China. China, yeah. And now they are at the front headlines of bills in the White House about uh, banning it. Yeah, I've heard, they've been talking about that for a while because obviously, like when you're flying a drone, like you have location services turned on, and essentially what happens is. Um, there's there's like a there's like a recording that happens of each flight and yep. so it records like a temporary preview of the flight and uploads it to the DJI server right so like you're flying aerials over these locations right and you know nobody knows what they're filming you know like you could be filming um i mean it's hard you know but they've been talking about that for a really long time um and I'm I'm surprised to see that it's finally finally happening now. 
Well, I don't know if it's it's definitely going to get passed. I just know I saw it in the headlines again. Um, and it just got me thinking about, and we talked about this before, you know, where do you, how do you really know what's in your, you know, we, we've got laptops, we've got desktops, you know, parts come from China and different countries. How do you know for sure that there's no surveillance in those? How do we know that, you know, iPhone um, isn't their partner Foxconn? I think they... Or did they switch? Well, it used to be. But my point is, I think it's still made and manufactured. It's designed in California, but it's made and manufactured in China, right? Uh, I think it's... Was it Taiwan? No, I think it's China. I don't know, unless they changed it. Let's see. Hold on. Quick Google search. Yeah. Taiwan. Taiwan Semiconductor. Okay. But it says the iPhone is assembled in China, Vietnam, and India. Yeah, I mean, it, there's there's still no good. Like, th- this is the type of manufacturing that is probably too d- dirty um, to happen in in U.S. soil, right? Maybe not. I don't know I if mean, it's too dirty. I think it's I think it's quote unquote too expensive. Well, some some of the materials that have to come together to produce a phone, like from some of the semiconductors aspects, like some of these raw earth materials, like they're likely not even found here in the U.S., which is the reason why, like, for example, yeah, I don't. To... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this this article I pulled up is saying that there's basically a supply chain of dozens of countries just to make an iPhone of all the yeah. different parts mm-hmm. and pieces. Right. That's crazy to me. I mean. But my point is, you know, we talk about this in security and compliance, and I'll call this the vendor relationships. Each vendor we bring into the ecosystem has to be vetted and tested, and we need documentation, policies, procedures, you know, uh, attestation, evidence. So you got over a dozen things that make up, we'll just call it 12. We've got 12 different companies that make up an iPhone iPhone's got a huge market share. I'm sure iPhone is in several government agencies. So, you know, it, it it boils down to how do we know that all these different countries that are putting their parts in the phone are not putting a back door? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think our supply chain has always been a huge issue, like, for me personally. Um, and so, like... Obviously, when I was in Europe, like I would see like Xiaomi, for example, like huge. I mean, they make I'm not going to lie. I feel like they make great products. Um, But the fact is, you don't see like a Xiaomi store like you can go and see a Xiaomi. There's like Xiaomi like retail locations abroad, like in almost every other country. I've never I've never even heard of that company. Yeah, they're a huge phone manufacturer and they make high, super high quality like android devices Uh, yeah and and don't get me wrong i'm not saying you know everybody's guilty either i'm not saying dji is bad you know i think their products are cool i think they're but i think the question that is raised is where's the evidence where's the it's almost like you're guilty until proven innocent right instead of the the uh, the the uh, other way around my point though is that i think if there is more of a trustless mentality. Like if 
maybe the solution for a company like Apple or DJI or these kind of companies that are bringing products overseas to our country, maybe it's third-party testing. Maybe it's evidence of, you know, unbiased surveillance and, you know, um, deconstruction, you know, like I fix it, you know, they disassemble everything. Right. And these websites like Ars Technica and all these different, you know, but still, I mean, how far does that go? Like, what are they going to get into the chips? Right. You know, they're going to disassemble it, but they're not, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, I think the bottom line here, and we can go down this for a long time and I know our time is, is short today, but I think the bottom line is again, we're forced to live in a trustless society. You can't trust any of it. So I think that if you choose to use a mobile device or you choose to, you know, use a computer, um, you just got to be really careful of where is it coming from. Again, we talked about this before. What software is on it, and what layers are you putting in place to make sure that you do the best you can to limit? Like, I'll give you an example. One of our layers that we talked about um, is the layer that is keystroke encryption as well as screen anti-screen scraper technology. And I told you it was really uh, disturbing how many programs the software intercepted that basically said, hey, Adobe wants access to your microphone and camera right now while I'm reading a PDF. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah, you know, so my point is that that could be an effective layer to you don't need to give adobe your your camera and your microphone when you're reading something you know what i mean like so so maybe we just need to work harder at putting more of these safeguards and layers in place to protect ourselves and i know that i've heard many times like the air force on a base for example you you can't even put bring the iphone or droid in you have to have it locked up in the trunk of your car so it's kind of like you know, I think we all should have a Faraday bag, you know, and, you know, it's like, how far do you take this stuff? But it's kind of comical. And, and I laugh about it because we're forced to do this stuff if you want to protect yourself. Yeah, I earlier um, we had a ticket that came in and it was for Microsoft Word. And they weren't able to open Microsoft Word because malware bytes was block blocking it with the uh the the excuse that an exploit was happening and um so i had to go in essentially like the like dumb down you know malware bytes to allow somebody to use microsoft word and powerpoint and it's like really what information are you requesting <laughs> to use well it's you know that that reminds me of um Remember the macro virus? Uh, possibly. That might have been before your time. So one of the early viruses you exploited the macro functionality of, of like Word and things like that. Um, macros are back then a form of automation to do things faster. Um, but nobody really used them. So my point is that Microsoft, Adobe, all these big vendors keep adding tons and tons of features, Apple included. They just put all this stuff on and then they turn it all on. Right. So it's like, I think they should take the approach that a lot of Linux distributions do and turn it all off and go through the list and figure out what you want to turn on. If you're in a secure area or you want to be, or you're going to be in a audited or regulated area, maybe that's the better approach. You know what I mean? Like, so instead of going through all the work and, th and we call this process security hardening, right? So there should be different distributions of, Hey, look, this is the, 
the version, the DOD version or what, and, and they used to do this with Stigs and other things, but I think we kind of moved away from that for whatever reason. And it, and it, and the lines got blurry and then Microsoft went down the rabbit hole of GCC high and then the commercial products, but there's no, there's still no clear, like, Hey, buy this from Microsoft. It's already kind of from the factory. You know what I mean? Like there, there's no like lockdown and the same thing, like Apple did a good job, I think recently with their lockdown mode on their iPhone, um, which I've tested for a while, but I, I feel like there should be more of that. And I feel like we as a company in cyber and compliance should be better supported from our vendors to help from their perspective, to help us do the job, because it ultimately goes back to them anyway. Like we're going to be asking them in GCC high environments, hey, where's your evidence for this? Where, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, why not just have it ready to go? And I know Amazon has GovCloud. And, but my point is that I feel like our vendors, there should be more work and heavy lifting done by that side of the equation. Yeah, I mean... I mean, permissions and applications are, yeah, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan of, of, of how these phones are configured now, even computers, you know, um, where everything that's put on there can have free reign, right. Over your data, right? Yeah. whether it's whatever bloatware, bloatware, malware, or not malware, um, bloatware, freeware, whatever shareware. Well, I think, like, yeah, I think the takeaway here is since we only got a couple minutes, is start now take take yeah. go through your computer go through your mobile devices go through your stuff and just either turn off what you're not using or uninstall it i mean the more stuff you got on there and the more stuff you have turned on the easier of a target you are so so think about it as more things that you're turning off and more things that you're uninstalling and not using almost think about it as enforcement layers to protect yourself so the more stuff you remove and the more stuff you just get rid of that you don't need the better the more unhackable you become delete all those those chinese games <laughs> well it could be games from anywhere i mean but yeah. yeah all sorts of games um if you're not using a certain electronic device on your network get rid of it you know yeah it's a good a good end note right there yeah all right, guys. Well, I think that's a good wrap for this one. We'll, we'll definitely, uh, lots more to talk about. So we'll record more soon. Yep. Thank you. Yep. See you guys on the next Take one. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Cybersecurity and Compliance Podcast with Craig Petronella. For other episodes and more information, visit PetronellaTech.com. Also, visit our other websites, ComplianceArmor.com and blockchainsecurity.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thanks for listening and stay secure.